You found yourself on another episode of Locked on Bulls. On today's episode, we're going to talk about Kobe White's mindset heading into next season. After an interview he had on YouTube, we're also going to talk about P-Will once again showing and flashing some improvements in open courts and programs and ask the question, is he actually going to prove it on an NBA court this time? We're going to talk about that. Plus, we're going to look at Jalen Brown's contract and how some Bulls fans are now using that to kind of feel a little bit better about Zach Levine's contract. We're going to get into all that and more on today's Locked on Bulls. You are Locked on Bulls, your daily podcast on the Chicago Bulls, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Locked On Bulls, member of the Locked On Podcast Network, where it's your team every day. Uh, today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On. I'm Hayes, host and creator of Chicago Bulls and Chicago Bears Central. My co-host, Pat the Designer, is out on podcast PTO today, but nonetheless, I'm going to hold it down for the team. And first up, we're going to talk about Kobe White. So Kobe White was interviewed um, on a show on YouTube talking about uh, his thought. It was the Scoop B Selects with Brandon Scoop B uh, show over on YouTube. And he talked about his overall game, kind of his mindset heading into the season. we got two quotes we're going to read in regards to that. The first one was, continue to polish up my overall game, continue to get better at ball handling wise, trying to get to the free throw line a little bit more, playing pick and roll, playing in the paint, playing off two feet, really just polish my overall game, continue to get better in that. Now, Kobe White had what, even though statistically, it was one of his worst seasons statistically, and then it's why kind of me and Pat very much so always talk about how important it is to actually watch the basketball games, not really just look at the stat sheet. And even though statistically was one of, especially offensively, one of Kobe White's worst seasons, it was one of Kobe White's best seasons as an overall basketball player. When you look at how his defense improved, especially his on-ball defense, his weak side defense really started improving the season before last. Um, and just kind of the poise and confidence he played with, the, effort, the added effort that he played with, um, and then how that offense started to coming, come along for him a little bit more as the season went on, and especially in that in the last part of the season, right? That last game of the season against the Miami Heat, uh, the Bulls were rocking and rolling, really playing their best basketball when uh, Kobe White and Andre Drummond was on the floor, which which made it even more head-scratching. The head coach, Billy Donovan, then decided to take them both out the game. We eventually lost that game. But, you know, that's that's trauma for another day. I'm not going to go ahead and get into that yet again. But Kobe White has had an offseason last offseason where he really came in and his game was much, much improved. And, you know, factor for him. Kobe White's always been a streaky shooter, may may always be a streaky shooter as well when it's all said and done, but if it, if that scoring can come on a little bit more consistently for him, um things really do change and and you know a lot of Bulls fans are asking is Kobe White going to be the new starting point guard? And when you look at Kobe White as a starter, only two games as a starter last season for the Bulls, he averaged 16 points per game, 7 assists, 6 rebounds um in that time, 45% shooting from the field as a starter, and only terrible, 
18% from three-point range as a shooter, taking five uh, and a half uh, three-pointers per game last season as a starter. Now, it's only two games, right? Didn't start a lot, uh, so you, I, I don't want to hold that against him at all. Um, but Kobe White was was improved last season, and I think he played a little bit better as well as the season went on. Uh, Post-All-Star break, for example, 23 games post-All-Star break, Kobe White averaged 11.6 11 11 points per game, four assists, three rebounds per game, right under a steal per game as well on 41% shooting from three-point range and 49% shooting overall from the field. Um, So he improved as a shooter. When you look at uh, prior to the All-Star break, he shot 41% from the field and 35% from three-point range, taking about the same amount of shots per game. So it's evident. Kobe White played better after the All-Star break. The biggest question now ahead of him is, well, is that play after the All-Star break going to be something sustainable for him? And if it is, you know, he he does is going to make his case for possibly being the starting point guard next year. Now, me and Pat have both been, I think, fairly consistent on the fact that we do think uh, that Javon Carter is going to end up being that starting point guard for the Chicago Bulls. But I, we, we do think it's going to be an open competition, right? I think that much like last season, uh, Billy Donovan's going to come in. He's going to take a look at who plays the best as that point guard over preseason and make that determination based off that. Now, we know, as with with Io last season, just because you start off as the starting point guard doesn't necessarily mean you're going to maintain that throughout the season if your level of play doesn't dictate that. But I do think that, you know, Kobe's going to try to make uh, his overall presence known and felt to make a case for him being the starting point guard next year. He is. And, you know, if he's able to come out as that starting point guard, the question then is, all right, how does he fit in now with two ball-dominant players in Zach Levine and DeMar DeRozan? I've said, and, you know, one of the reasons why I do want to see Javon Carter start and Kobe White come off the bench because I just think he gets more opportunity for everything to kind of go through him um, once once uh, he's when he's coming off the bench. But, hey, at the end of the day, if, if he plays at a level where Billy Donovan feels confident with him being that starting point guard, so be it. But Kobe White is motivated, and then coming off getting his his uh, contract extension for three years, and he's we now know he's going to be here three years. I think thirty three million, thirty six million. I think was the guaranteed money. It could be up to thirty nine million dollars with incentives. Listen, it's all on Kobe. We're going to have Kobe locked in uh, throughout most of his prime at this point now, and he's going to get a chance to re up, go back to the free agent market, and I think it's the best deal for him and the Bulls. But you know, to go further in this interview. And talking about that Miami Heat game that I talked about earlier, he had this to say. It was a good experience for us to experience that. A single elimination game, not something you really experience in the NBA, but it was good for us. We we beat a good Toronto team, uh, then lost to Miami, and they wound up going to the finals. We don't look at it like that would have been us, but we look at it as we were right there. And that's really the thing that's been sticking to many Bulls fans over the course of the summer is that the Bulls were – Right there in the thick of that game, in the fourth quarter of that game, they had the lead in the fourth quarter, weren't able to pull out the victory, but with the Bulls improving in the margins like they have, right? Defense, three-point shooting should be much improved with the additions that we made this offseason. I know a lot of Bulls fans still have questions about the Bulls' size and things like that. If we're going to have the necessary size to compete, completely understand that. But it is the, the bigger question left is that, with the way that the Bulls have improved, having a point guard now um, that is better than Pat Bev and Javon Carter, who's going to be there now to start the season off, is that mean we're going to get closer to the level of play that we had post-All-Star break than what we had before, right? And so, you know, when when people ask, like, what's the win-loss? And I know a lot of Bulls fans, some of the more pessimistic Bulls fans, are like, we're going to be a playing team again. And that is very well a scenario. 
Um, I look at it like I, I think when you add in how many close games, how many big leads the Chicago Bulls gave up, I really do think that the Bulls can be between 42 and 45 wins next season. Now, it's going to be up to them to stay healthy. It's going to be up to them to prove it. It's going to be up to Billy Donovan to trust his players a little bit more and use them kind of better in situations that fit their game a little bit more, right? Um, and if we if we can do that, I do think that we can, we're going to surprise even some Bulls fans, much less other teams in the Eastern Conference. But it really just comes down to if if the way that we've improved in those margins, the way that the team comes together, right? The way that the team fits. AK is trying to build something and 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 went out and got players that fit the needs of the Chicago Bulls. If that comes to fruition and Billy Donovan coaches the Bulls well, yeah, we could be looking at a much better outcome and a much better scenario than what we had last season. The biggest, but it's still ifs, right? There, there are ifs around this whole team, question marks around every aspect of this team. And one of the biggest question marks still is that coaching put, uh, part of it in Billy Donovan, right? And I know some Bulls fans, they, they weigh it more heavily or not on the blame being on Billy Donovan versus the roster. There's conversation to be had both that. But when you have one of the better catch-and-shoot players in the NBA in Zach Levine and you run barely 2% of his plays or, or catch-and-shoot, it's questions. When you have a player like Nikola Vucevic, who is cooking some halves, and we don't go into the second halves, there's questions. When we have players that come off the bench and really help change the energy and get us in a position to win a game, and then you don't use them, there's questions, right? There's questions all up and down the Chicago Bulls team. And the biggest question is, how is it all going to come together? Does it all come together and, and equal something better than what we played last year? We improved. On paper, we have improved. But just because you improved on paper doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be that in reality. We have a question. And one of the biggest questions in this team still, still going into his fourth year is Patrick Williams. Now you guys may have seen Patrick Williams putting in some work. Um, we're going to talk about that here next after this, but first we've got to talk about one of our sponsors and that is FanDuel. Take your first swing at betting MLB on FanDuel and get 10 times your first bet amount in bonus bets up to $200. That's right. Just bet 20 bucks and you'll land $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. That's 200 you can spend on everything from the money line to the over-under to who you think is going to hit the first home run. All in one app that's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Plus, when you win, you can get paid instantly. There's no better place to bet on MLB than FanDuel, America's number one sports book. So sign up today and visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to get up to $200 in bonus bets. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. FanDuel, official partner of Major League Baseball. All right, y'all. So we're going to go ahead and continue it now. Patrick Williams, you guys may have seen the videos. Patrick Williams working on his dribble, taking players off the dribble, working in the open court run, uh, some poem work as well. And this is like the third season now in a row we've seen this. And I don't mean to like crap on P-Will at all. You guys know I'm not a P-Will. I'm not somebody who's down on P-Will. I mean, I say I'm not down on P-Will. Like I am slightly, but I'm not out on P-Will. I guess is the better uh, phrase to use there. I'm not out on P-Will at all. I think that P-Will if he ever unlocks his aggression and is utilized a little bit better, can be a darn good player for the Chicago Bulls. Now, of course, that Kawhi comparisons that many people were making coming into the league, I think a lot of people realize that's probably not going to happen at this juncture in his NBA career. Um, but I do still think that P-Will can turn into, at the bare minimum, P-Will is going to be a solid 3 and D player in the NBA, right? Um, and I think at 
height right now, I would look at him and say Luau Deng in his prime. Can P. Will get to being a 16 and 8, 17 and 8 average player? Uh, over on Chicago Bull Central, I had a caller that said, listen, I, I, points, all right, P. Will keep the points, 10, 11 points per game. Can we see P. Will get uh, 100 blocks, 100 steals? In a season, right? And I think that's that's really fair to look at when you look at the, the type of impact you hope and want to see P. Will be able to make on the Chicago Bulls team. He's going to have competition, um, especially at that power forward position now. And it's not going to be something that um, it's just going to be given to him. I think Torrey Craig is going to push him. I think maybe even Julian Phillips can push him for minutes a little bit, right? And we know that Billy Donovan is not going to be afraid to go small either if he feels like, hey, the best, my best bet is to play more Alice Caruso as as a four. I hope now with adding Tory Craig, we don't see any Alice Caruso at the four. But hey, it's Billy Donovan. You never know. Um, but one of the biggest things that and why you know him improving in his dribble, I do like to see, um, is that P. Will only averaged two point six drives per game last season. And with P. Will's size and his strength, you want to see him drive to the lane into the into the cup a, a lot more than that. I'm gonna say a little bit more. No, you want to see him drive to the lane a lot more than that. And so, and then when you look at 73% of P. Will's uh, baskets were assisted on. Again, the biggest thing with P. Will is him unlocking his aggression. Some of that dog mentality. Now, you know, some some people just don't have it in them, right? And and you can't put something in somebody that's not there that they don't want themselves. But I still do think, and I maybe this is just me that holds on to that. When P. Will averaged double-digit shot attempts, he still averages something like 15, 6, and 6 is what it is. And so because of that, like, there is still promise there in P. Will. But I, I've said that this, like, the Bulls aren't really just waiting on the P. Will portion of it anymore, right? They're starting to look at other things. And so I think – you know, seeing P. Will do what he's done and, and cook out in, in in whatever gym against whether it's some NBA players or not, it's all cool. It's all fine to Danny. I'm glad he's working on his game. I hope that P. Will's in the gym killing people every single day, right? Whatever he needs to do to build his confidence. But it's all for not. It all means nothing, absolutely nothing, if it's not being done on an NBA court, at least somewhat, Right. And yeah, P. Will, the least scored on player in the NBA last season, because I know somebody's going to get to typing it. And I love, like, cool. Like, we know what P. Will can be, bring defensively. We know that, right? But the fact of the matter is, is that P. Will's still leaving so much on the, rather, wherever you look at him and his potential at, he's leaving so much on the table by not being more aggressive. And yeah, shout out to him leading the Chicago Bulls in, field, in free throw, I mean, three-point percentage last season. Love to see it. Love to see it. You need to build off this. So that's now your building block. You let you you shot the ball from three very effectively last season. You were the least scored on player in the NBA last season. Cool. You got that. But now we need to see more from you, right? We need to see more from you. Now that's your building block. Now how are you going to build your game on top of that, right? Then yes, some of that also goes to Billy Donovan. And Patrick Williams even saying, we got a couple of quotes from Patrick Williams this offseason. One, that he wants to be more of a wing. Okay, cool there, right? Um, one that he knows that he needs to be more aggressive, that he wants to run more point forward. Cool. That's that's all fine and Danny. P. Wills actually looked pretty damn good when he's gotten the opportunity to play point forward for the Bulls. It just so happens, right? It's well, not so happens, but it's unfortunate. Most of the scenarios that we get to see him in that end is is in the games or when other players aren't playing, things like that. Like we need to see P. Wills start 
work showing these skills that he has that we've seen in in spurts and in flashes and in whatever else it be more consistent from P will and so if people is like we've heard Mark Eversley he said it in an interview during summer league how important it is for P will to take a leap for them AK has talked about it the last two off seasons right P will making a step drastically raises this bull ceiling, especially for a team that most of these players are veterans. Look, Zach Levine, 28 years old, going to be 29. DeMar DeRozan, 33 years old, about to turn 34 in a week and a half. Nikola Vucevic, 31, 32. Can't remember Nikola Vucevic's age off the top of my head. But again, over 30. So when you look at the way that this Bulls team that added more veterans, let's be clear, we added Javon Carter, who isn't over 30, and then we added Torrey Craig, who is still veteran players, but don't have really, uh, we're not looking at those guys ceiling to all of a sudden raise. The Chicago Bulls' future, at least right now, unless they make a change, is really tied into Kobe, Patrick Williams, Dalen Terry, Julian Phillips, Arnulot Bitten, one of those guys stepping up and making a leap, right? And whether, the, whether you agree or disagree or you look at that as being faulty roster construction, that's not the conversation we have here. The fact of the matter is that is the crossroads we find ourselves at. We have this team that's very top-heavy with veterans and that we have these young players that, whether it be through lack of coaching, lack of development, lack of whatever else, have not shown that they're ready to take anything over. And because of that, you have to continually add, right? You have to continually double down on these veteran players. and. That brings its own issues. And again, that's not on them. Like, and I always say this, P-Will didn't go to the Bulls and make them draft him number four overall. We can talk all day whether, whether P-Will is living up to, like that, that conversation at this point is null and void. It does, like, not as far as it's null and void, as far as being valid and this team needs to draft better. But at the end of the day, we just, P-Will was drafted where he was drafted. We need to see him become the best version of himself. Right. As long as he's going to be on this roster and unless AK and Eversley decide to move on from him, you want to see him become the best version of himself. Same with Dalen Terry. You want to see Dalen Terry become the best version of of himself. You want to see Julian Phillips hit that defensive three and D rebounding, whatever big they he has the potential to be. You're, you're tied to hoping that that's going to eventually come. Ernulot bits him. You're now tied. You brought him into a two-way deal, even though it's not a long-term permanent uh, uh, guaranteed contract. You brought him in. You now hope that he's that that shooting that he displayed, that dribbling ability, the passing ability, the getting out in the open court. You hope that that is eventually going to become something that we can now get equity out of for the Chicago Bulls. At some point, one of these guys has to hit. At least you hope that they're going to hit, right? Because nothing is guaranteed. But for AK's sake, right, for Mark Eversley's sake, for the sake of this overall health of this team, we need to see one of those guys eventually hit and turn into something, bruh, right? That's what we hope for. That's what we need. That's what this franchise needs as long as we're tied to them. You know, there, there there aren't a bunch of other young players on the team. Yeah, Zach Levine can technically still get better. And shout out to the guy who said that, you know, I, I he expects Zach Levine to score maybe the highest points per game of his career. Like, Zach Levine still has room to grow. Refinement can still be done at any point. But again, when you don't have coaching that has developed you, and like I said, it's not all on the young guys. Some of it's development, but you got to want it, right? And so... We'll end up seeing, man. Like, I, I, and I don't mean like that's probably the most pessimistic you're going to get out of me. I'm usually a pretty optimistic fan when it comes to the Chicago Bulls, but like seeing P. Will Cook 
Uh, it's all fun in the summer. Like, I I enjoy seeing it for what it was, just to be able to say that one of our guys is cooking. But, like, it all means nothing, absolute jack nothing to me if it's not done in the regular season. But, all right, let me get off that. Next up, we're going to talk about Jalen Brown's contract. Before we get into that, I do want to remind you guys that Locked on Bulls is free and available on every podcasting app and platform of your choice, as well as YouTube um, and the Odyssey app. If you're on the podcast side, just go ahead and subscribe over to the YouTube side. If you watch us on YouTube, just go ahead and leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts as we continue to try to grow the platform and the show. But with that said, Jalen Brown signed the richest contract in NBA history, right? And so by the end of this contract, Jalen Brown will be making 69, I believe, million dollars for one season. And keep in mind, this, they still next this time next year they could be signing an even bigger deal with Jace for Jason Tatum, who can get more, a three hundred and four million dollar contract for a twenty six year old player who's been to the Eastern Conference Finals I believe five times. Somebody fact, fact check me on that one, right? And Jalen Brown's earned it. I'm all for get the money that you're worth. You're, you're worth whatever you can go out and get. Whatever you can negotiate and you can get a team to agree to, that's your worth. That's your value. But when you're looking at a player that's going to be making, for the most part of this contract, over $60 million per season, it has now brought a lot of Bulls fans and content creators to now say, hey, Zach Levine's deal looks a little bit better. And here's what I'll say. Like, Jalen Brown and Zach Levine, I think we, me and Pat have talked about them. I think the gap between them are, is a little bit closer than what people are given. But the fact of the matter is this. Jalen Brown's been on a winning team. He's been on a team that has legitimate championship aspirations, right? And yeah, there's a player on the team that's better than him in Jason Tatum. Some people think he may be better than Jason Tatum. But now that has led a lot of Bulls fans to say, hey, Zach Levine's deal doesn't look too bad now, right? And here's what I'll say on that. Like, I get it. And I'm not saying that that thought process isn't necessarily wrong. But when you are a team that is a championship contender, you do pay a little bit more to keep parts of that team together. Now, that team, in my opinion, in my estimation, sent away two big pieces of their identity in Marcus Smart and uh, Grant Williams this offseason, and they brought in Kristaps Porzingis, who I, I still like the deal for them. I just worry about what the loss of Marcus Smart's going to do for them. I, I don't personally look at this. Like, Zach Levine's contract, to me, was, it is what it was. Like, uh, Zach Levine is a player that can be top 10 in the scoring. It has been at times. Top 10 in the, sco- in the league in scoring. You pay that. You had to keep him. Like, and I've always said that the people who had the idea that you, you just let Zach Levine walk, that was literally one of the stupidest things that the Bulls could have done, considering where they were, is just let Zach Levine walk. And so the Bulls made their decision. They, they, they made their decision on signing Zach Levine, and now it's just the biggest question is, how do you go about continually supporting it, right? You now have Zach Levine locked in throughout his prime, theoretically, right? You can still move off that deal. Any deal in the NBA is tradable. We know that. We've seen it. Um, and so when I look at, I don't really compare the contracts between Jalen. Like, shout out, like, that contract to Jalen Brown is ridiculous. Let me be clear. It's ridiculous. Are the Celtics going to eventually regret it? Definitely, it's, it's a possibility. It's a possibility by the end of that contract, they absolutely look at it and say, hey, we got a lot of Eastern Conference Finals runs out of this, but we ain't win nothing outside of a bunch of regular season games, which I'm sure most Bulls fans would take right now because we're in a regular season drought. We'd love to see that. But, uh, you know, so... I don't use that as a way to reframe Zach Levine's contract. To me, you always were going to sign, re-sign Zach Levine unless he decided to walk away. Letting him walk was never an option. Now it's how do you continue to fill it out, 
right? How do you continue to improve this roster? Or some people would even say, how do you start to improve this roster? It more so puts the highlight now on pivoting, right, to what happens with DeMar DeRozan and his contract extension. Do the Bulls double down again, this time quadruple down on this core and give DeMar DeRozan a contract extension? Do they look to possibly move DeMar DeRozan by this trade deadline? You know, DeMar is a flawed player, absolutely. But, I, you know, as, as much as he – I don't like the fact that people, I think, sometimes overrate DeMar and what he brings. And I don't like the fact that people kind of underestimate what DeMar brings. DeMar brings a calming factor to the Chicago Bulls. When the Chicago Bulls go through their scoring droughts, and Lord knows we go through plenty of them, DeMar is usually one that can find a way to get us out of it, whether it's through hitting a big shot himself or getting to the free throw line. And that's needed for a team that just doesn't have anybody else who really stands up to the moment. But – what this team is going to be like, you've you've made this investment now. You've made further investments in Kobe, further investments in Nikola Vucevic. What's the, the, the next biggest chip to have a question on, maybe the next two of them, is what happens next offseason when Patrick Williams and DeMar DeRozan are both up for contract extensions? If it gets to that point, do the Bulls let DeMar DeRozan walk? Keep in mind, the Bulls can have $19 million in practical cap space next season, even more if they do use the career-ending injury exception for um, for Lonzo Ball, and if they end up re-signing Patrick Williams for less than his cap hold, the Bulls next season offers the Bulls the next chance to really get out in free agency. Now, the free agent market isn't the best there, and they could also use look to absorb some contracts into their books, but like when you look at it, a decision on DeMar DeRozan is the next big ship to fall. Does Ernolot Bitsum show enough to where maybe they, they he's their starting three? Do you move Patrick Williams back to the three and find a four? Like, there's questions there. Not that we're going to answer them here. That's a, that's actually a conversation me and Pat are going to have the next time we have a Locked on Bulls episode together. So make sure you guys tune in tomorrow to find, uh, find out our thoughts on overall what should happen with DeMar DeRozan this season heading into next offseason. But... It's, it, that's kind of the next, that's not kind of, that is the next question for the Chicago Bulls team. And as we get ready to go talk about that tomorrow, I want to hear from you guys. So if you made it this far into the video, leave your thoughts down below on what do you want to see happen with DeMar DeRozan uh, this, this, this season, as far as this contract extension next off season, let me know where your head is on that, but that's our time for today. Thank you so much for tuning in and checking out another episode of locked on bulls. Make sure you guys go ahead and, and follow us at locked on bulls collectively. You can follow Pat, the designer at Pat, the designer. You can follow me at CEO Hayes, but that's our time for today. I love you guys, man. Uh, for Pat this I'm Hayes. This has been locked on bulls and we out here. Peace y'all.